You're listening to Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and hot takes about all 12 NPB teams. Hosted by Jim Allen and John E. Gibson. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of November 12th, 13th, 14th. I don't even remember. <laughs> it must be for the 13th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Friday night recording... Uh, we have Jason Koskri of the Japan Times, who is kind enough to spend some precious time with us again this week. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you for having me again this week. And my buddy Jim Allen. What's happening, bud? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jason. Our pleasure. Always a pleasure. Can't Thank see you. you enough. And look, look, we all know we're getting ready to, for you to uh, become a father. We're all excited for you, especially my little girl. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so probably you'll be up at this hour all the time. <laughs> Just a little bundle of joy arrives in December. So looking forward to that. And you can you can message me anytime, bud. Well, that's I'm up at this hour usually, so it won't be that big a deal. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean up at this hour. I mean up at this hour working. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, on this week's show, we're going to have Japan Series talk about the Hanshin Tigers ending their 38-year drought in the Japan Series. We look at our memorable moments of the season, hit a few notes, and dive back into some high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right, so the Hanshi Tigers, it was right after uh, the day after we recorded or the night after we recorded. I don't remember anything anymore. About, it's about all, 20 it's hours all after we recorded. It's all foggy. Are you sure it was 20? I don't know. But uh, 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 No, it wasn't. It was about 16. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that long. But Monday the Hanshi morning, Tigers man. won the deciding game decisively, 7-1 on Sunday. Uh, the team's first championship in 38 years, 7-1 was the final. Um, you know, there's a Tigers fan at the office who was so proud when I went into the office the, 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 later that week, uh, or earlier this week, if you want to say, but it was last week in, in podcast time. Uh, and she was so happy to say, you know, I was born that year in 1985. And I'm like, hey, women How cute. giving out their, their, their age like this, but she was so proud she didn't care that people knew her age. She was like, you know, the last time they had won, she's a fan. And, you know, I, I a lot of people called it a curse. I, I called it a drought. I don't believe in curses or ghosts or voodoo or any of that stuff. You just have bad play, bad decisions, bad rosters, bad management, etc. cetera. Uh, those things lead to, you know, bad results on the field. But anyway, what was your overall view? And, of course, Jason, you are our guest. And I know you got a little bit of allergies or something going on there, but uh, please hang hang in there and uh, deliver your your message about what your overall view of the Tigers winning the championship was. Uh, overall, I thought it was a, a good series. I thought that the Tigers uh, acquitted themselves well. Obviously, they acquitted themselves well. They won, but um, yeah, I think in that seventh game, you had I think Okada he had a plan, and you know his plan didn't really matter at the end because they sort of kind of shell shocked the Buffaloes with that, that home run by Sheldon noisy. And then it kind of, it really got away from Oryx in the, the inning after that. But um, overall, I thought it was a good series. I thought um, Cody Chikamoto was more than a deserving MVP. I mean, he, he just hit and hit and hit and hit. 
Um, I wanted to, I felt, I didn't feel bad, but I just remember throughout the series, it was just painful every time Takuma Nakano squared around the bunt because he had had some such a pretty a good, good series at the plate or good postseason at the plate. And then it was just like every time Chikamoto got a hit, first inning or whenever, it was like, okay, now it's time for you to bunt. You know, time mm-hmm. for you to bunt again. Like, you don't get to swing. You only get to bunt. And it was just ridiculous. And the first batter of the game gets a, gets a hit in the second batter of the game. Stack bunting because, God forbid, you don't play for that one singular run when it, the opportunity presents itself. But they still won in spite of that. Um, you know, Satoshi Nakajima, the Buffalo's manager, you know, took a lot of the heat. And he didn't make, he didn't make great decisions every time but i don't think he had a bad bad series as a manager i think he did fine it was good for him to you know take the take the blame nobody's perfect okada made mistakes too it's just that okada's team ended up winning so he looks better but that was a good series i thought hanshin was very deserving champion and i thought sikamoto was a very deserving um mvp uh for the fighting spirit i probably would have given it to Mune or Marwin Gonzalez, but I have no beef with Yoshinobu Yamamoto after that game he had in game six. So that's pretty much my overall. I was I was entertained. The last game was probably the more the most anticlimactic and kind of boring game of all of them. Even the 8-0 games had something to, you know, hang your hat on. But that last one, I think after the fifth inning, it was just kind of a slog to the end. I think even the Buffaloes kind of it almost felt like they were just all right, let's, it's time to go home. Well, it was time to go home anyway, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Jim, your overall view of the of the Hunting Tigers ending this drought. Oh, the you know, I, it's really small, but of course, the story in one of the one of the subtexts to the series was that the Buffaloes are the team that mixes and matches mm-hmm. uh, religiously. And the Tigers are the team that does everything in an orderly fashion. You know, they the only lineup changes the Tigers made was to DH. And the the only uh, we got a preview of the weekend in game six when Yuki Nishi, the game two starter, came in in relief. For the Tigers, yeah. For the Hanshin Tigers. And so rule, I guess, in other words, keep the lineup the same, keep the batting order the same, more or less the same. And don't use a pitcher who's lost as a starting pitcher. Don't let a starting pitcher who's lost a game start twice. Okay. So then Sunday we've got, so Yuki Nishi worked Saturday and Masashi Ito, although he had been on on short, you know, it would have been normal rest um, it would have been short rest for him to pitch Sunday, but he did pitch three innings of of scoreless relief and was quite good. And uh, so that seemed to be the, the 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 that was those were the two rules that Okada seemed to be working under. Uh, whereas I haven't quite figured out what a little bit what was going on. I mean, he had some relief options. I think in game in game seven he had some relief options after he gave up the three run home run, but to be fair, they were hitting Miyagi pretty well. It wasn't before the three run home run. Before the balls they were hitting were pretty good. Uh, that they got as far he got as far as he he did uh, without giving up a run was quite remarkable. Mm-hmm. So 
the three run home run shorts really should have been in my mind should have been the end of the the road for him but i think i i and i can't imagine what um nakajima was thinking i mean there's certainly okay i trust him to go back out or he'd lost his faith in the the other guys but i don't know that but uh, that was my my take a very deserved win for the tigers um i was i was surprised i guess uh, afterwards that i was shown a video of dotombari with people jumping in from the side of the river and i realized that by the time jason and i got there about quarter to one it, <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty thin the crowd huh yeah because the videos i saw there was probably a thousand people around that intersection we wow. got there it was a couple of hundred well look tigers fans were going out of their minds and I, you know we always talk about how much or how well the Tigers fans travel, but I don't think they travel. I just think they're nationwide uh, in droves a lot more than we think, probably. But uh, they were going crazy everywhere, I, I guess, nationwide. I could hear some fans as the game was ending. <laughs> I could hear some in the neighborhood. Um, but the fans, the former players, I think I saw a lot of activity on Twitter uh including the imports i i saw everybody relishing the triumph and it was just a wonderful moment for baseball in my opinion because they're just like i said there's so many hanshin tigers fans nationwide it has the team has such a strong following and it and i think it's it, it's a good thing to have that team win and have some success here some tangible success not this you know just getting to the japan series some tangible success and, you know, frank, quite frankly, I thought the teams were really closely, uh, except for the power, um, but I thought they were going into the series. I thought they were really close. I just thought the difference was the bullpen uh, on the side of the Tigers, just because we kind of knew what to expect. And if they could get the starters through six innings or so, that a couple guys, I mean, um, Atsuki, you also didn't anticipate that, but. Uh, and certainly didn't really anticipate him having great success, but you know he didn't have to throw very much. He just had to <laughs> throw a little bit in that in the back end of the series, but that was good. I, I'm just I'm just glad, and I'm looking now, and the Central League has won two of the past three Japan series, and that that's opposed to the eleven consecutive years that the Pacific League won. <laughs> so, uh, but that's good. You know, the Swallows ended that run, and now the Tigers have uh, contributed for the for the central league so i'm looking at that maybe hoping that'll balance out a little bit more your your thoughts on that jason i just want to kind of go back to something you said about activity of the former players i remember before the series um atushi nomi who had played for both teams and i think he was actually a player coach for the buffaloes maybe in his last year but he was kind of not flying the oryx flag but you know on tv with oryx talking oryx stuff and then on on Sunday night, I saw him and Yoshio Itoi with um, Hanshin Tiger. Go My man. They go ahead and they both go ahead and switch their allegiance back to the win inside after the game. <laughs> so I, I agree. It's, it's good for the Tigers to win, but I, they haven't. It's not like they've won before. I mean, won in 85 and that was it. But no, it's it's good for them. Um, I think there was some professor, some college professor somewhere who said that the economy got a boost from Hanshin winning because yeah, it's been so long since they won and there's so many fans the all Kansai over the country. University. 
that's a guy at Kansai University who basically um, comes up with these numbers about the economic boost of apple seeds dropped in the sewer. <laughs> You know, you name it, and he he's calculated the economic impact. I heard from Masahiro Tanaka was going to be, you know, six point eight billion yen in Tohoku area. Well, listen, nine months from now, there's going to be a Hanshin Tigers baby boom. I mean, you know, there's a lot of impact everywhere. So. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, that there is true, but I'm just saying this this guy that's his gig. That's his. That's his jam. Well, huh? some, some economist has to do it. It's true <laughs> enough. Somebody's got to do it. Where are you going to get the degree and crunch the numbers? Or yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you figure any of that stuff. I don't know either. Your um, idea. But it, it's just what the guy said. He's smarter than I am. <laughs> well, everyone's smarter than I am, so I don't yeah. worry about it. All right. Well, smart guy. Uh, what are you, your, your thoughts about the Central League winning the past two out of three Japan series? Well, I think, yeah, it's a good sign that things are not as imbalanced as they they had been. I still don't see the Central League as, as quite um, a stronger league, but you know, I think they've, they've narrowed the gap a little bit. I, well, I think the big realization came when when the Giants were swept. They lost 4-0 and lost 4-0 twice in a row. Mm-hmm. That really in, J- made in Japan series yes. in the Japan series by the SoftBank Hawks. I mean, when the Giants manager comes out, we have to say we have to start changing the rules to compete with the Pacific League. I think that caught people's attention. I mean, you and I and, and Jason and pretty much everybody who watches Japanese baseball saw it long before that. <laughs> but yeah. as soon as the Giants get swept for you know t- two straight years, it's like, oh, you mean? We're not as good as they are anymore. Yeah, it went it went from concept to actual tangible evidence, right? <laughs> Proof. Well, I think yeah, it was like <laughs> we're all freezing, and then somebody, yeah, I don't know what, maybe we're all shivering, and somebody goes drops dead of ice of of frostbite. <laughs> oh, after somebody's been yelling, toughen up, toughen up, it's not that cold, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Then, All the leagues are the same. And then the person who was yelling, it's not that cold, loses a limb after yeah. a frostbite. So I think that was the thing. So I think that that has had an effect on teams. We still saw, I guess, the lingering effect of the Central League not having a DH. Mm-hmm. In Ryo Watanabe being the game one DH. Of course, you know, then he drives in a run with a flare. <laughs> uh, it's just a standard thing is, is the number of Central League teams that have P- have capable DHs where they can get offense at a take a player uh, off the bench and get that extra boost without losing any offense in their regular lineup. They really don't have too many teams that can do that. Right, and the and Tigers so they, did go to Fumihito Haraguchi in Game Seven. They did, they did, which yeah, I well, they was went to good. Chinto Itahara before that. Though. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, that was the uh, Senichi Hoshino strategy in 1999. I he used uh, a utility infield. Gino, yeah, I can't remember his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember. Uh, used him as the DH one of his DHs and I've seen that lots of San Francisco Giants did that that year they lost that horrible Japan series to the Angels. 
World Series. Yeah, World Series. World Series. <laughs> yeah, the other one. The, it, it, they lost the MLB Championship Series to the Angels. You mean the, so, the MLB Championship Series? The one where Barry Bonds couldn't get a hit at all? That one? Uh, no, the one where Barry Bonds couldn't catch a ball in left field. <laughs> <laughs> Among us. He did the Moises, he did the Moises Alou trick. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go to the so, game here. I, I, okay. I felt going in, the Tigers had an advantage of source because Koyo. Aoyagi really was a, he was a bringing, he was like bringing in a new arm to the equation and he really hadn't pitched in the series. So that meant that Buffaloes hadn't seen him before. And mm. uh, that meant, I, in my mind, if he was uh, competent, if he could deliver a competent start, that he would at least get through the lineup once, maybe holding the Buffaloes to the minimum. So I thought maybe, you know, zero, one, one runner or fewer. And then, uh, I think I easily could have seen Shota Morishita, this rookie who just became a sensation for the Tigers in the second half of the season. I mm. I could have seen him being the MVP because even the the Sheldon Noisy home run, it wasn't a game clincher. You know, it was a it was definitely okay. The game has you know we've got some runs on the board now. People are going to have to start strategizing. We have to things are different now. Because it's not zero zero, and um, Morista knocked in that fourth run and started another rally that got them that got the Tigers three runs and did kind of put the game out of reach. Jason was saying, got got the pillows going if people were watching at home, and then just try to stay up and enjoy the the rest. But it was just kind of put in cruise control. But so I thought from the start, I thought uh, Aoyagi in, in, on the mound uh, for the Tigers gave them an advantage. But how did you guys uh, see? game seven playing out jason i remember before the game i didn't know if it would be an advantage or not i did also i did also think along the lines of you're introducing a new a new pitcher into the, a new starting mm-hmm. pitcher into the series and you know but at the same time Aoyagi wasn't particularly him well he wasn't what he was last year um he hadn't pitched in over a month i don't know how much he pitched on the, for the nigun team or the phoenix leaks i didn't really pay that much attention but, you know, so I, I did have, I was kind of wondering what that was going to be like with him. I mean, he, it could have gone either way, but I did remember thinking when they announced it was going to be him, I think everyone kind of figured it out the day before because Okada may have even said it. But, you know, he was definitely going to be the fresher of the two pitches. He was going to probably have more energy than Miyagi was and maybe have the ability to go deeper than Miyagi did, although they didn't ask him to go that deep. But, um, so yeah, I I sort I don't know I didn't really give the Tigers an advantage because of Aoyagi because it's just it was too big of an unknown because it could have gone either way and I, I you know that's fair at this you know at the same time with Oryx I, Miyagi was great in that in the the second game but you know it's his second game pitching weird kind of situation although he did it last year and the Tigers have seen him already once so. Um, I kind of went in with a blank slate, just you know, just hoping it would be a good game, which it wasn't. But um, I do kind of, I, I agree with you. Morishita, I thought had a, a really good series. He actually he set a record for RBIs for rookies. So I mean, it wouldn't have yeah, six, right? Six RBIs seven. for rookie, seven, seven RBIs for yeah. a rookie in a Japan series. Atsunori Hara and someone else had six, and then he tied it with that triple and at Koshin in Game Five. Okay. Um, yeah, but is that noisy? It just kind of. Yeah, it was it wasn't the game clincher because I think the Buffaloes could have come back. It was only three runs, but it was such it was 
it was just such a, a shell shock, I think, because in some whoever's whoever's running Oryx should like figure out what their ticket situation is because that stadium was like half hounding fans. I'm telling you, they're everywhere. I don't think it's erupted. Well, it's not that though. I mean, you go to Han, you at Koshien, it's ninety percent Hanshin, ninety five percent Hanshin, five percent Oryx, and that's well, some of the some of the like fifty fifty. Some of those fans but, um, are scary, man. I'm sure they just scared the Oryx Buffalo fans out of their tickets. Like, <laughs> like those people just went nuts, and it it really it felt like it was just it was just such a big moment and just such a big. Three runs all at once in a game where it looked like Miyagi was going to nickel and dime his way through six or seven innings without giving up a run or giving up one run or something, something manageable. So, uh, yeah, well, I went to the final game thinking it was going to be even. And Well, if it hadn't been Yuma Mune, he probably would have given up about nine runs. Right, exactly. Yeah, Mune. Was well, again, he should have got like some kind of, they should have given him some sort of glove for that. I was thinking Japan exactly series. as soon as he made that second catch, I'm thinking, uh, you know, let's let's have a Japan series golden glove. <laughs> well, I, I really like the noisy home run. I thought uh, it was a one two pitch, it was a change up, I think it was down, mm-hmm. it was off the plate, uh, but not in enough, probably. And no. And that was it. And because it was a changeup, uh, you know, off the bat, I'm watching on TV off the bat. I'm thinking, well, you know, a strong guy like Noisy might be able to to take that out. Another guy might not be able to. And so I wasn't sure. But you watching the outfielder move. I thought, OK, well, it, it is in the stands and that it, it kind of provided some shock, I think, for the Tigers to get that that first run and, and just knock the Buffaloes back a step kind of. Mm. And uh, I, I felt that the rest of the game. I don't know what that felt like in the stadium because you guys were there. Was that was that the case? Or I'm, I'm saying you know three runs aren't that much, and it's 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 it possible. It didn't feel to come like back. it was over because I'm so used to Oryx being quite resilient. Um, I just thought. I guess I the surprise again. I thought the surprise was when Miyagi came out again. I'm thinking, let's see, you know, what's the plan here? And I'm I'm. Well, I don't know if there was a plan or if he didn't act on it or not. I mean, I don't know the situation, but I that was probably the biggest surprise for me. And you still didn't uh, have a monitor? Didn't have a monitor. I couldn't see anything. Yeah, because uh, after that, the, the Nakajima's face, he just kind of looked like, well, hey, this is not this was not in the plans. So what am I supposed to be doing right now? He had a kind mm-hmm. of a perplexed look like. I wouldn't say that I'm not sure what to do because I'm sure he, he knew he knew what to do. He's like, I don't want to do this move here. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Uh, I need to go back to Miyagi. He's my guy. And that that's a kind that of look sounds, he had that sounds face. that was what that was the vibe I was getting from the way they were playing. But I, I thought with Aoyagi, of, of course, we don't know what's going on. But I was just looking at the quality of the balls they were hitting off of Miyagi and, and Aoyagi, and this is completely different. Um, yeah. Aoyagi was basically given up really mediocre contact from start to finish. And he took him out like, oh, okay, he's coming out for this one batter? Okay, uh, right, I don't see it, but he didn't want him to go through the lineups, I suppose. Okay, fine. And Ito was was the Ito we saw all year, and that was pretty much the end of the Oryx Buffaloes. Well, to me, if it, it did, because it, just it was just so many Hanshin fans, and they were, they were just kind of waiting for something. It felt it, the noisy home run. Well, they're good at that. 
But yeah. They've been waiting for 38 <laughs> years, bro. <laughs> I don't know if it's, it really just felt like it just gave them just such a big boost. Just such a big mental boost because, you, I mean, it was just like against Yamamoto. You don't expect that. I think it would have been different mm-hmm. if they had, you know, gotten a couple extra, a double, a single, you know, kind of dribbled in a few runs, which also would have given Nakajima more time to process. Maybe I should take him out of here. But for it all happened all at once in three runs like that, I think a solo home run would have been a different feeling, but th- three runs mm-hmm. all at once in the game where by that time you had seen Aoyagi was, you know, kind of having a pretty decent game. And it was a mm-hmm. good chance he was going to not give up a whole lot of runs or not give them much or at least get to the bullpen that those three runs just felt even bigger than they were. So it didn't change the game or it changed the game. It didn't decide the game, but I do really think that that was a big, and you could tell by the, you know, the Tigers bench, the way they reacted to it. Was, I think it was almost as if they were just, they were so nervous and so pent up as I've almost as if the pressure was on them. And then that just kind of let them breathe a little bit that like we've got a bit of a cushion here. We, we don't have to be so wound up. And I think it gave them a really big boost. Yeah. Go ahead, Jim. Just to add on to that, I, I, I the difference now. This is the, uh, yeah, this is the fourth Japan Tigers. Hold on, two thousand. Well, I didn't go to eighty five. Of course, I did watch it on TV, but uh, two thousand three, two thousand five, two thousand fourteen. So this is the fourth um, Tigers Japan series I've watched. Until now, I felt the Tigers. Um, and somebody who's a long time, a friend of mine who was a long time Osaka a baseball desk for Hochi Shimbun said, the Tigers basically come into the season expecting to lose. The fans expect to lose in horrible ways. And that's just their fate. And the Tigers, I asked Nakano if he thought there was extra pressure for 38 years. He says, oh, no, you know, so we we're. We're really loose and relaxed, and we feel like you know this is our year, and and this is a chance to give the fans back something. And it's so unhaunching Tigers not to feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. You gotta <laughs> and have to blinders. To me, that man. was yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was. I didn't expect that at all, and I I don't think he was he was he was um, you know, just Blowing doing smoke. lip service. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree because I think I think these this new wave of players, these younger guys, they're good at, you know, they're always listening to something anyway. They've got the their ears on something else and they don't they don't have to see what's going on in the media. You know, they're good at distractions. And so and they the probably actually won something. <laughs> but yeah, they I mean, I it just seemed like this team was loose. I mean, I I I really honestly picked the Tigers because I thought like I said earlier, thought they were even. I just thought the bullpen was a little bit better and that's it. <laughs> uh, I didn't think they were going to be able to hit, you know, they didn't hit with power, but they did when the yeah, at the business end of the series they did. They had a home run from Noisy in game 6 and then came back with one in game 7. So they they did it when it was important and they did it in a situation which in which in game seven, it wasn't just a solo home run. It came, it was really productive home run. So, you know, you're bunching your home runs together, <laughs> you're bunching your RBIs together with a home run. That really helps. 
Well, I don't remember where all three of Oryx's home runs were they solo, like the Tongu or how many three or two? No, no, Kuribashi's was a okay. two run. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Tongu Tongu's were all solo shots. Right, that's right. Kuribashi had the two run. So yeah, um, well, it was a great series, a great way to see the uh, the MPB season wind up and wrap up, and really happy for the Hanshi Tigers fans and and for the team itself and. Uh, Okada, in terms of what he did, I don't, I, again, I don't think he did anything spectacular in his management style, even in the Japan series. But like I said before, just really good at having a feel for the players, having a system in place, working that system, developing the players, and just stepping back and letting them go and staying out of the way, to be honest. <laughs> and the both the managers were good. You know, like you said, uh, one manager's uh, players just played really well, and the other one didn't. I don't think uh, anybody got in the way. Uh, it was decided on the field. We didn't have too many bad calls. Uh, we had some um, some questionable umpiring <laughs> behind the plate on occasion, but uh, I don't think that impacted the series. Even though it went seven games, I thought it was uh, very entertaining. And I even I actually thought Game Seven was entertaining, even though I wasn't feeling that well that day. My body decided the baseball season had ended and I got my little annual uh, dude slow down illness day. And that came at the very end of the game. But uh, but other than that, I thought the game was compelling and I thought the season was great. So, Well, I wasn't I wasn't here. So I'll ask the two of you in 2005 and was Okada this kind of. I'm going to let my players play that how he got to that Japan series, or do you think he was different this time around well, in the second? Well, they gave up 10 runs in each of the first three games. I don't think there was much. There, there wasn't a way. <laughs> there wasn't a way to get into. <laughs> how many How many innings did that first game go in Chiba? What, like like six before they called it on account of fog? Yeah, the fog <laughs> rolled in, and, and, and yeah, Toshiaki Imai, they couldn't get him out, and no, mm. they just they didn't or, have a chance. They couldn't get him or uh, Lee Sung Yup out. Yeah, yeah, it was. No, but was, was he like was that brutal. during the season, like he was this year with the Tigers? Uh I suppose he was. He was. Um, I don't know in two thousand five, but I felt it was still pretty standard Tigers fare in that the the team was expected to lose, and you know it was their duty to lose, and you know. They were like, who's going to be the scapegoat when we do lose? That was kind of the thing. Yeah, there was a, there was a quite a lot of blame going, just like there was blame going on after 2014. Yeah, for me, I that was my first year uh, with the with the well in my current position, so everything was new for me, and I wasn't watching so much what Okada did the whole season. I was just everything was going by so fast, but I can say this that. I would assume that that was almost 20 years ago that he, he he has to be different. And it was a completely different kind of team at that time. Hmm. So uh, the teams yeah. were way different. So yeah, the uh, 2005 team was essentially the two, the grown up version of the 2003 team. And that year they shouldn't even have been, they shouldn't, they probably shouldn't have won a game. <laughs> and, but the other manager was Sadaharu O. Oh. So that ensured that series was going to seven games. <laughs> Hashtag high heat. I mean, he's, he was just terrible. Worst big game manager I ever saw him. I, I love him dearly. But yeah, he was he was really bad. And uh, 
and Hoshino was was kind of sainted, and then he he you know he had the uh, health issue, and so he quit. And so he, you know, there was no blame going around in 2003, 2005. I don't think Okada was blamed, but I think he was still the standard. Um, but as as in the years after 2005, and they couldn't win in the postseason, I think there was some of that on him. But he was he he was the guy who would take responsibility for everything. Uh, he never, you never ever heard him blaming a player, which was the pretty much what, how Tigers managers are supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And but... I, and, and Nakano said, I said, you know, what about Okada? And, and he said, when he was an analyst and I was listening to him talk and say, Oh, I should be playing second base, not shortstop. And I thought when they named him the manager, I went, Oh my gosh, this guy's going to be a terror. And he said, wasn't like that at all. It was just so easy to play for. It seems to me like he's got because you we know the, how the the Hanshi media can be and how they are, but it seems like Okada is kind of got he's got too much cachet that he can just they don't they don't roll over him the way they can they rolled over you know Kanemoto or Mayumi or Wada. It just seems like no. Okada just sort of has to. He's just had. He's too. He's too much stature in the team and in the in the region. Yeah, he's just impervious to that stuff. He he just goes. He'll shake his head and go <laughs> and just move on. He doesn't. Does nothing seems to bother him. I absolutely love him. Well, yeah, he's like Doctor Doolittle with the press. I mean, he knows how to talk to those guys and if talk he... to the animals. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag hi. <laughs> And, and but I mean it's serious. It's seriously he can get I through. Am, he can answer the questions without saying much of anything. And I'm not sure anybody really knows what he's saying. As Jim joked before, he needs a, subtitles on his on his comments sometimes because it's hard to understand mm. what he's saying. So, yeah. but yeah, I I, I think you talked to the. <laughs> All right. Well, that with that we we applaud the Hanshin Tigers. Congratulations to the organization and the fans and uh, let's make a four seam transition and we do this every season we offer up our favorite moment of the season and if you guys don't mind i'll go first um i I was going to make mine the august 13th nagoya dome game uh between the dragons and the carp uh that saw chunichi right-hander yuya yanagi throw this no hitter that should have been but wasn't that then the incompetent offense did strike up a couple home runs in extra innings after he had left the mound. And uh, we, as I mentioned on the show at the time, he came on running to the running onto the field after the uh, game. I guess it was Takaya Ishikawa hit a home run, a walk off. I'm sorry. He hit a home run to tie it. And then yeah, Shingo, Shingo Usami uh, hits a home run to walk it off. And, you see Yanagi dumping water on himself <laughs> instead of the <laughs> other players. I thought that was a really funny moment, but I'm going to go with uh, July 1st game at Yokohama Stadium. And, uh, you know, it's my pet peeve. It's the rundowns that Japan, uh, unfortunately, is poor at. And that was the Trevor Bauer blow up game <laughs> within the sixth inning with two out and runners on first and second against the lowly dragons and you get a ground ball. And uh, a rundown that was just uh, 
it was a rundown from hell, especially for Trevor Bauer, who blew up because they they botched it and let all the runners, uh, everybody was safe. And uh, Trevor gets the next batter, Shuhei Takahashi, on a comebacker, and he angrily runs the ball over to first base and barks and screams and blows up the whole time and disappears into the back, uh, into the uh, locker room, I guess. I don't know. It was just a moment that, you know, it was a pure sports entertainment moment for me. I think everybody saw that play, and that's what I remember. That's what I'll take away from this, especially with it, it being Trevor Bauer. So... Uh, Jim. Well, you know, we picked the same game for the first one, and that was the that was the Dragons game. I was at the office watching that one. It was going to be the game, of course, because, you know, it's a possible no hitter and and remarkable. And I still I still feel bad. I, I still feel bad whenever I see it, like I did the other day, saw a little kid with a Shota Dobayashi shirt on. I still feel bad about how I just abused him all year. Yeah, stop, when he hit stop the home, bad mouthing that dude, man. He's not a bad hitter. When he hit hitter. the home run off of Rydell Martinez, I thought, okay. And then when 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 Takai Shikawa hit one, it says, "Good. Well, at least a real player hit a home." Run I know you game. said that. I, I, I know. I, so I was thinking about that, but I, and then I could also nominate every game where. Chusei Minami had his, a ball in his hand and there was a runner on base thinking about another base. <laughs> Just thinking about one, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of those. And uh, even even one where he almost threw it into the stands. <laughs> uh, but the runner was standing on second going, whoa! Um, no, but my final one was Yama, uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto's Game 6. Uh, game 6. The game he had to win coming off a loss and 138 pitches for record uh 14 strikeouts just just absolutely mind-blowing and i wish i had a monitor to see it because i probably would have been even i'd be drooling more <laughs> gotcha yeah it's a good a good final performance you know win or lose that performance would have been good in the japan series or great in the japan series and remembered for a long time all right jason I also like Manami. Um, I think it was him against the Marines. He threw a guy out trying to go to mm. third. And it was just an amazing throw. I think when we when we have to fill out our Golden Glove um, ballot, they always ask for like one play that stood out to you. And I, I played that one. That's my play because I, I thought that was really cool. And then there was a game against the Hawks where Manami hit two home runs in back-to-back uh, at-bats. So I thought I just I loved him this year. He just I was I I was curious to see if he and Kiyomiya were both Kotaro Kiyomiya were both break out and and upon him for Shinjo and Manami really did. Kiyomiya was solid when he when he got yes. to play, but um Manami really had a had a season. Um I guess if we could pick for the Japan series, um in the in the interest of being different, because I also would agree with Jim about uh, game six. I would say when um, Atsuki Yuasa came in in game four, like that was, I mean, I guess you you both been to Koshin and you know how it is there, but that was something different when his name got called. Cause I'm not sure the the crowd was expecting him to come in because he had been to Miyazaki earlier in the week. And so when his name got called and flashed on the board, the sound that just went off in that place was just different. Um, that was that was a heck of a moment, and then they were they go on and win that game on a sayonara hit by Yusuke Oyama. So that was 
That was amazing. I guess though, my my I guess my moment would also be Yamamoto. Well, would be Yamamoto's no hitter and Chiba. It's just because you know, it was an actual no hitter, and the Buffaloes got the job done for him. Unlike Yanagi and the Dragons and Ono and the Dragons, so. Um, yeah, I, I would go with that no hitter because it was it's Yamamoto, and we don't we don't know if we'll see that again in MPB from him because he may be gone. Probably, probably. All right, awesome. Let's make a two same transition then, and and just a couple notes we want to hit uh, the fact that Yamamoto's probably headed to the major leagues, uh, so we'll be able to <laughs> watch Twitter or Twitter dot com or X Twitter X I like to call it go nuts trying to figure out where he's going to go. Uh, we do know that Kona Takahashi of the Lions will not be posted, so he'll be coming back. And free agent Trevor Bauer, the aforementioned, also looking for a, a major league home, but I still don't think he's going to find one. Hisanobu <laughs> Watanabe, Nabe Q, the, the GM of the Lions, tried to make it. It sounds so tortured that they couldn't allow Takahashi to leave. You you could have. You just don't want to. Just say that. <laughs> you know, the, parent, the parents want us to let him go, and we want to let him go. But it's just so hard for the team, and we can't do it. And just say it's not. Just say you have control of him, and you're going to keep him instead of going through the big the song and dance about how tortured you are. You can't let him leave. <laughs> well, I, I he's a former player, and I think he understands that, and he's trying to express that, but nobody cares. Mm. They, is they, that, is that, they lost a lot of games they need him you know it's not right like they, they do just say that just say that yeah. yeah yeah well i mean oryx did that when after the oryx kintetsu merger and uh at at the uh when the labor settlement was achieved in nagoya in september 2004 the oryx buffaloes uh representatives nbb said we will not require any buffaloes players who do not want to play for oryx to play for us and so then they they picked iwakuma in the distribution draft and he said i'm not playing for you because you promised and he says well yeah so what (laughs) oryx president said so what we need you who expects us and who who believes anything we say anyway yeah who expects us to hold us to our word (laughs) i know and actually that was my thinking behind that when i thought masataka yoshida will never be posted last year because they're going like we've got conditions but conditions after the season's over how oryx is that so anyway, yeah, no, that was that that is unfortunate for him because I know uh certainly MLB scouts were hoping for that, you know, more pitchers in the market this year. Mm, I bet, I bet. But Nabiq even Nabiq did in a I guess an accidental moment of clarity and honesty say that posting is not a player's right. And that oh, there's course. a free agency. So and he's he's right. It it sucks for the player, but he is right. But so he again, yeah, I just yeah. I don't fault the Lions for keeping him. They they did the same thing with Hiroyuki Nakajima the first time he tried to get posted. They told him no, and then he ended up going the next year. But just just say that. Just say we yeah. need him. We want him to stay around. Uh, on a on a related note, there was a story going around in MLB circles, and I'm I I don't know who's spreading it, but I I'd be probably lying if I didn't say I think it's Scott Boris. Uh, saying that 
they're saying that uh, Roki Sasaki will be posted next year as a 23-year-old. Hmm. And I says because, and the reason I I say it's probably Scott Boris is Scott Boris was telling people um, basically a year ago, uh, excuse me, two years ago that Masataka Yoshida was going to be posted. You know, he was drumming up a market for his guy, and hmm. which is why how it was able the Boston was able to sign him the same day he became available to sign. <laughs> You know, the posting window opens was one story, and two hours later, he's been signed. So, uh, but that <laughs> is interesting. Suspicious. But people, have, but MLB uh, evaluators are now asking about Sasaki. Is he going to be posted? And and my answer is, um, well, it doesn't make any sense for anybody unless he's just doesn't want to listen to anybody's good advice because he's a 23 year old pitcher who, if he goes to MLB will be 29 or 30 by before he has enough service time to become an MLB free agent, or he could pitch for three years in Lotte and be an MLB free agent at the age of 25. Yeah. Uh, so pitched a full season. Yeah. Yeah. Just no, finished. he has not. No, just finished his fourth he's... year and hasn't really completed a full season here. Right. And, so uh... he's still working up to that. And and Lotte, if they had signed, and if they, I'm sure they probably did include something like you can go whenever you want, <laughs> which, but if it just assuming that he would make an intelligent decision. You think so though? Because he, Otani had that leverage. Like what was Sasaki did too. Sasaki I'm sure have done. But go just sit out like Sugano did, or threaten? Uh, no, 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 no. Oh well, no, he wasn't going to sign with anybody. I'm sure he wasn't going to sign with anybody unless okay. they gave him a a, a posting clause. I'm sure he got one. I bet they after what three seasons. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense at the age of 23 for anybody, uh, unless MLB decides to go back and start saying 23-year-olds can be international free agents. If they did that, then yeah. Or if they put the posting fees back up to where they were, then maybe Lotte would push him out the door. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right now, Lotte, if he were to get a $3 million signing bonus and a $20,000 minor league contract, Lotte's, Lotte's uh, posting fee would amount to about... Uh, 40 million yen not 40 million dollars not 40 million bag dollars, of chips man. not less yeah pretty much extra yeah. case of baseballs and a bag of chips <laughs> that's a good line jason yeah please uh, you go we'll take this <laughs> <laughs> all right did you want to talk about the gold gloves real quick jim uh the fact that uh... really? yeah really yeah just a, a couple of things we had three kind of close votes in the golden gloves and I guess the first one that got the most was a one win, a one vote win uh, for Sosuke Genda over Kotaro Kuribashi of the Orcs Buffaloes, mm-hmm. uh, in which uh, which Genda, who has played fewer game, he played a full schedule his first two years as a professional, has played fewer games every season since. Mm. Uh, said Did I didn't play that, yeah. many games. I didn't either until today. Uh, he said I didn't play a lot of games or innings so i'm thought very it's quite an honor to win the award uh but that snapped uh six years straight for genda 
Oh no, that kept that was Genda's sixth year. A guy who who didn't get a seventh year this year was was Takuya Kai, who lost a close vote to works catcher Kenya Wakatsuki. Mm. And then the next one, the the really I, I wasn't a shock, but uh Takumu Nakano beating I not like Ryosuke Kikuchi deserved a gold glove this year, a golden glove. He really didn't. But these things have so much inertia. Guys win them because they won them the last three years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he lost the vote for second base in the Central League by three votes. So, mm, My man. All right. Let's go to fielding questions. All right. So continuing from the question from last week from our buddy Glenn in Tokyo, who asked a a lot of questions about uh, what we thought about some of the some of the aspects of Japan's uh, season this this year and what we would do with it, including who are our actual MVPs and things like that. So uh, continuing that, uh, the second question, I think we only addressed the first question last week. And the second question was about managers. He says, uh, the best and worst manager of the year, just so John can rant about Tatsunami. <laughs> well, today's the day for that. <laughs> no, it isn't. No, Every you, day is the day for you that. Diono coming, you hear you, Diono, coming out and saying the Dragons need to change their front office policy and field management. Oh, no, I he didn't. Gave like a, he gave like a 25-minute speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the poor man. When, when Tatsunami's saying his his policy decision for the season is no more white rice for the players. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> he's doing more of that. I don't know what yeah, you know. Just... I I wasn't about to rant, but I I just you know what what have you seen over the two, past two seasons that you want to sign up for to get more of it? What is it? <laughs> what is well, maybe it Ono is trying to talk himself out of it. Sheesh. All right. Well, yeah, maybe he's trying to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's trying to get traded. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go with the best manager first. Um uh and we'll start with Jason. Your best manager. You know, I thought that um Masato Yoshi did a lot with the Marines because I would never have Pick, well, I didn't pick that team to be what they did, but um, he, he had uh, pieces that I guess on paper didn't stack up to the top three teams in the Pacific League, and he made that thing work. So um, I would say Masato Yoshi. All right, Jim? I was going to say Masato Yoshi, and uh, I'll stick with it. Yep, he, made, he took a team that uh, made a lot of ordinary players look you know, play. I I think he just created a good team atmosphere, and uh, a lot of guys uh, performed for him near the near the upper levels of their ability. I think some of his stars did not, but they are coming out. Okay, I I'm gonna give honorable mentions to a number of of high quality. I think uh, managers. I'm starting with Shingo uh, Takatsu of the Swallows. I thought he did good work. Uh, I did have Masato Yoshi second, and then I had Kazuo Matsui of the Lions, and I thought he did a good job. I just didn't think he had a lot of talent, um, and uh, they lacked talent in some serious areas and had some some issues with uh, Hotaka Yamakawa and other players. So, they, you know, the injuries and everything. So I, I thought he, he probably could have 
finished with a better record had he been on a different club or had a bit different roster. So, um, but I, I want to I'm going to go with uh, Nakajima of Oryx, and I, I can't say that. Uh, like I said uh, earlier about Okada, I, I can't say he was like really good at anything we could see. Uh, the game management and the tactics were just things that were just normal. But what I did see with um, Nakajima was that, and, and I've seen it ever since he got there, was that the overall approach and the development of players, that it just seems to be something that smoothed out. Now, I don't know if he if he should get the credit for it because we can't see it. You know, we don't get to see those things. We don't. The only thing we really can see is what he, you know, the decisions he does make in game, and and when he takes pitchers out, and uh, his hit and run, and all that stuff. But uh, ever since he took over, there just has been a calm demeanor about the players. They don't make those goofy mistakes anymore. Um, they don't cost themselves games all the time, like they were doing. And and when the game is on the line, they seem to come up with the defensive plays that they need to come up with or the offensive plays that they come up that they need to come up with. And that includes bunting and that includes hitting the ball the other way and moving runners over. So, um, so I'm going with him. Um, what about the worst Jason? It's Tatsunami. Oh, okay. Go, go ahead then. Well, you can, you can, you can, I'll see my time to you. Oh no, I, I, you know, I can't <laughs> complain that much about Tatsunami. <laughs> you know, he he's bad, but I... you remember when I don't know if you do, but when um whatever the, his first name was, Ihara managed the Lions, mm-hmm. and it was kind of uh, Haruki. He like Haruki Ihara, the former Giants guy, managed the Lions, and he tried to just crack the iron whip on those guys, and it just absolutely did not work because he just did not have the vibe of that team or of those players. And it's not, it wasn't even a generational thing. He just didn't connect on like, there's a human level with those guys. You, you hear, you hear more of football, but I would run through a wall for that guy, you know, and those, those players wouldn't do that for Ehar because of the way he was. And it feels like maybe that's kind of autonomy. He's just, these things work for me. So why aren't they working for you? And it must be you. It can't be me. And he just seems stubborn and makes what's what looked like bad decisions. I, I don't think the Dragons, I understand, you know, they're not going to win the Japan series or anything. They're not, they're not, they have a lot of deficiencies, but he's not doing much to, to help that team. Like if, if you, if Tatsunami managed the Buffaloes, I don't think they would have won the pennant even with all their talent. So he, I think he was just, I think he's just, I don't know. He just is not the right manager or he needs to change his stripes, which is basically what Ono spent 25 minutes saying without just calling him by name. But we'll see what happens next year because they refuse to just fire him. They're going to let it, the clock run out. Jim? Yeah, I, I well, I've said before, my well, two guys who really, really have um, whose empathy deposits at the psych, their psychological banks are overdrawn. <laughs> I mean, actually, they overdrawn, man. There's, there's dudes coming after them. <laughs> these, these two guys are, they basically, everything is about, I mean, I, I don't want to say how everything is with them because I can't get into their brains, thank goodness. <laughs> But they, <laughs> but they re, they they devolve these two guys. Uh, their whole mantra is 
something other than what the players are doing. It's, the focus is never quite on the players and instead what the players should be that they aren't. You know, what what we should be doing, like what's our image we're going to project or, uh, you know, something other than like winning baseball games with these players and acting as a team and creating a winning uh, environment other than a superficial one, you know, like this is the winning environment, you know, wearing the right kind of socks or the right kind of hair or any of that nonsense. And so it's sort of, it's certainly a tie for me between Tsuyoshi Shinjo and, and, and Tatsunami for both of those things. I think uh, Tatsunami really lacks empathy, which is unfortunate, or at least he, doesn't display any and Shinjo of course is focused so much on Shinjo uh, that I think the players sense that too which is I, I think the reason why <laughs> fighters players are lining up to leave and I guess if the Dragons had players who were who hadn't like oh no hadn't signed long-term contracts when they were free <laughs> agents he'd be gone too so those are those those two are my and Har, Har, of course Hatsunari Hara gets honorable mention. Um, <laughs> well, I'll give disease. him credit. I'll give him credit <laughs> because this year he didn't leak to the press that he wanted. <laughs> oh, he couldn't leak to the press <laughs> that he wanted a contract extension because he hadn't he wasn't to the end of his contract. Right. So probably he was planning to roll that out next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, they, they, this... that's why they short circuited them by a year. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, bro, excuse me. What was it? Somebody got fired this week or this past week? You're fired, hotshot." <laughs> was a famous. It was a line of the, the the Raiders coach got fired, and apparently that was the line, and you're fired, hotshot. All right. So yeah, for me, this is really easy. I, I think it's a flat footed tie, and same as Jim it, between Shinjo or or show shoujo <laughs> it's, it's it's all about his show uh and and tatsunami and for me it's simply you know i think we we looked at two playoff caliber or capable teams you know if they not not i'm not, maybe the dragons would have had to have peaked to reach third place and make the playoffs but i didn't i thought a lot of people especially a couple of people on our panel when we did our preseason uh predictions that uh, a couple of people including myself had the the fighters in the playoffs and so one guy just toyed with the players and seemingly the other guy couldn't seem to really insert the the key into the ignition <laughs> you know he had tatsunami had the team uh limping along you know the the off the offense couldn't do anything and the pitchers seemed to really take the, the team over and um so you i mean they were almost one-legged and it just seems you know i i, I think i spent most of the season as the dragon's grinch <laughs> instead of the dragon's addict uh i couldn't watch I, I couldn't even sit down to watch a game i started out taping some of the games because i wanted to watch and then you know after I, th I think third game of the season i'm like well I, I don't need to tape but I'll watch. And then after two weeks, it's like, you know, what am I doing here? How much time can I really waste? <laughs> I got children. I need to I need to educate <laughs> this children instead of watching the dragons. And then with uh, Shinjo, like I said, this toying, playing guys out of position at first base. And I think there was a game in, in which there were he ran out of outfielders. Um, 
it, it just well, it they was, don't have a lot of outfielders to begin with. So yeah, but he, he yeah. took him out of the game and put other guys in essentially, or had yeah, his, and he's got Yuki Nomura playing in the out. Everybody's playing everywhere. I think I don't know, like he saw it on TV. Yeah, <laughs> I should do like, that. It's like when you you know you. I don't know how much I'm, how many, how much uh, family secrets I'm letting out here, but when you lose pieces to the monopoly and you got to put something else on the board to represent what used to be the hat, and you grab a some item, some household item to play, that seemed like what he was doing. He's like, well, let's use mm-hmm. this, you know, it'd be fine. Um, so yeah, I, I I just think it was a flat-footed tie. I think both of those managers. I so I can't, you know, the only the the thing I can consistently talk about Tatsunami and the problem that I see is look he was a very cerebral player uh he knew game situations he knew how to manage the game mm-hmm. it's just he, you know completely opposite completely As opposite players, of what we're seeing opposite. from his players and your players are supposed to take on the personality of your manager and uh so I would say that if that's the case now that he's clueless because <laughs> his players were um, well, there is that thing where you you hear sometimes where you have a great player who was so good, who was just so good, and that everything just came so naturally to them that they can't teach it. It's like I see this, why can't you? And they can't teach the guy how to see the game the way they do, or how to innately feel something the way they do. And maybe maybe that's part of it. The Tatsunami, maybe he did have whatever that is as a player. He just doesn't know how to convey it, or doesn't know how to bring it out in someone else. Or maybe he's just bad. I have no idea. Yeah, I think it's a combination because you even have coaches for that now. So. Well, I think I uh, watching him coach and watching him at WBC is very impressed. Uh, I was very impressed with his ability to communicate and to sort of like find that be in the right wavelength of the player talking about hitting, but talking about the being a manager and being in charge of a group is separate from talking about hitting a baseball. You know, you've you've got to be the guy and have an overall and and his career was basically about hitting baseballs. It wasn't about managing people. And, and so I think he borrowed from Senichi Hoshino, the most obvious thing, which was that Senichi Hoshino um, basically shouted a lot. And, you know, he, he, he was really strict, but he was also a very, very, he was the opposite. He was also a very kind, very loving guy who, who, he had, you know, he had his nasty tricks, but Hoshino seems to have focused on, I want that sort of hard, hardcore image. He's focused more on the image than on any sort of, he's replaced a substance with image. And I, <laughs> so in that case, he and he and uh, Shinjo are really twins. All right. Uh, Glenn's next question was your best. I wish I hadn't said that preseason prediction award. <laughs> So I think in the preseason, I there wasn't much that I said that I regretted once with the season started. But uh I guess yeah, my for me it would be predicting that the dragons would finish. I guess I had them in third or fourth place, somewhere around there. And uh that I didn't have the carp as high as uh Jim had them. And I didn't realize that the carp were were better than they were. But I don't think I said anything crazy this this particular year. Jim, for you? I don't think I said anything crazy either. I mean, it was just a basic of, you know, these are the indicators and this is the way it's I I, I thought it was most likely to go. Of course, picked Oryx to finish last and picked Yakult to finish first. And so those, those 
those two things, those were were wildly off. Oh yeah, um, I had to... and I, really other than those two, other than those two, everything everything actually fell into place. But those two were the whoppers. Yeah, I had the dragons finishing third and the carp fifth. So that was that was probably I wish I hadn't said that, uh, Jason. And, and because none of mine are. None of my predictions are based on feel, so I don't think I really said anything too stupid. Jason, Jason, oh, uh, I don't remember what I said, but I don't, I'm, I don't regret it. I was just wrong sometimes. You know, sometimes it's just wrong. <laughs> I was wrong about the Marines. I was wrong about the Marines. I was wrong about the cart. So I mean, sometimes you're just wrong. I don't, I don't think it was any. I don't regret it. I was just. I mean, I, of course, I wish I <laughs> all six teams the correct way, but. Way to go. You pick what you pick. All right. Uh, his, Glenn's next question was a non-MVP, but one of the best I've ever seen in a wild season award. So um, uh, for me, I, I, I don't think Yamamoto was the MVP uh, So uh, of the Pacific League. I don't really like pitchers being the MVP because they have their own award, and he was excellent. And he'll probably walk away with the – handful of Sawamura awards for this uh, past season so he, he was really good yeah I I think uh Yamamoto is the guy I would probably give this award to because I, I wouldn't give him the MVP although I'd probably vote for him in MVP voting for like a third place but I wouldn't vote for him uh, straight up Jim uh well gee the the guy who had the remarkable season was my MVP vote uh, who was Kensuke Kondo but I, I think in the darn, I guess Yusuke Oyama. Um, Yusuke Oyama had a, I didn't, I gave him a second place vote instead of the, my first, which went to Koji Chikamoto. Mm-hmm. But he had, the, the, they were very, very, very close in there. In, you know, the guy who drew a zillion walks and led the league. And you know, he was, he was sort of the leader of that, um, the walk, the, the Walker walk brigade. brigade there. Yeah. <laughs> the Walk Brigade. All right. Jason? Um, I would say, yeah, Yamamoto would definitely be in there because I didn't vote for him for MVP either. Um, I think Shigomaki just continues to be a pretty good player and maybe I'd give it to him or Oyama or Yamamoto, one of those three. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I like the Shigomaki. I, I I really liked him for MVP and uh he's becoming a better defensive player as we as we speak so (laughs) or throughout the season it seemed like this year really picked up the defense and uh sometimes i had to look out there and say is that that really maki out there in second base because that dude made a play yeah so uh all right you can tell if he starts doing his dance okay (laughs) don't do that uh i mean don't do that jim not, not Maki, we'll leave that to him. No, he's <laughs> okay. good at it. He's good right. at it. Uh, not a rookie, but best almost newcomer award. And I was going to go with Seiya Hosokawa of the Dragons because he had such a really good first half. Ended up with a decent season. Not a rookie. And he was part of that quote-unquote Rule 5 draft of the 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 active players draft the active players draft. The second chance draft second chance draft yeah that's the one that i don't want to say second draft second chance draft but the active players draft and uh yeah the dragons uh probably were surprised i think at, at some of the uh production that they were getting out of him and he came out of spring training earned a job played the whole season 
um, and was their best hitter, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I think Seiya Hosokawa for me. Jason? Uh, I mean, Shugo Maki, I mean, his third year, so he's not, he's not really yep. a rookie. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he was second. He was like third in war among all the MPB players. Yeah. Um, I guess to pick someone else. Um, no, you can, can, you can pick. Oh, well, fine. I'll pick Maki. Yeah, take monkey. I mean, I even second. I was going to give him some love too. Give him his flowers, Jim. Choose Sam Malami. Hmm. Hmm. Done. That's, that is absolutely <laughs> done. No, he was the man. I mean, of course, there there were a bunch of guys uh, I really liked, and of course, uh, Taiki Sekine, who like like uh, Hosokao, I've been talking about for the last three years, finally gets a chance to play, and people going. Oh, you know what? He's not as bad as we, you know, it's like he's not as bad as we thought he was. Of course, that wouldn't have happened if uh Tyler Austin. Austin's healthy. Um the nobody outside of Yokohama would even know how to pronounce that their their best their best outfielder's name this year. Right. Right. So okay. All right. And uh uh let's see, most improved player of the year. Um Manami was a lot improved from where he was. I mean, he, I don't think he wasn't bad, but he was he's still growing and he had just a hell of a year this year. So, Manami, um, Katsuki Azuma coming back. Although, I guess that might be more of a comeback than an improvement because he was pretty good his first year, too. So, I guess Manami, off the top of my head, at least. Yeah, Chusei Manami was the man for me. And also Yuma Tongu of the Buffaloes because he kind of uh, improved mm. and, and won a batting title. Yeah, Jim. I'm going to go with Yusuke Oyama because he went from being this guy who, you know, he, he had all the part, he had the pieces. But once, and I, and I don't know the story, I was dying to talk to him at the Japan series. But as I told Jason, you know, he treated me like I was a Hanshin fan and pretended I wasn't there. <laughs> so uh you know started studying when he heard me calling his name he started looking checking his shoe polish to see if they were they were the right they were not too scuffed up to go inside and uh because he just turned in that season was was like he had it in him but we hadn't seen it before and i don't know what happened other than maybe somebody telling him as happened once with um, Yoshi Nakahata when Sadaharu o stopped being his manager and stopped the manager stopped telling him to try to hit that he had to be a power hitter. Mm-hmm. And he turned into a extremely productive hitter for the first time in his career. And it's mm-hmm. like, I think o- Okada might have said, you know, the home runs are going to happen or they're not going to happen. Don't worry about them. You know, just do do your game. And he And he just turned into an on-base machine. Like, you know, he a guy who was a three thirty on base percentage became a four thirty on base percentage guy. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Glenn. This was a, a awesome set of questions, and mm. really, thank you very much, Jason, for sitting in and back to back weeks to address them because uh, Glenn was hoping that we could get more people to join in. Um, anyone else who has a question? Send it to Y-A-K-Y-U-J-O-H-N at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter X or Twitter.com at JBW Podcast with the hashtag High Heat, where you can leave us a note on the Facebook page. Now, 
As I said, the Google podcast is going to be discontinued, it said. So look for us on iTunes and also RSS Radio is another app that you can use. Uh, now, I don't know when we're going to be back, Jim and I, but um, I think we're going to be back for the uh, for sure for the MVP announcements. And then after that, uh, we will get our off-season training program going, <laughs> sleeping program going. <laughs> but uh, we will talk to you soon for sure. Thank you so much for a wonderful season. We enjoyed it. Uh, it was nice to be back out there on the field talking to players again, and we hope you guys enjoyed the season. So we will talk to you next time. Enjoy your baseball. See you later. Okay, see you at the ballparks next year. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBall Allen. Submit your questions with hashtag high heat and listen for an answer in an upcoming episode.